Nooner with Dooner and my buddy Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. I like the bow tie. You do? It's very Christmassy. It looked like a candy cane. Yeah. You, well, you said you were at a Christmas party and like it was just, I'm with you. I like, I have a dresser at home and um, like, I, I remember for Father's Day, I asked my wife if she could clean up my closet. It was such a mess. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, she'll do laundry and she'll put it out and like it just, so much of it just stays on my dresser. So I wear like the same four things all the time. This is um this is a shirt that still you know could be worn a few more times. You know my yeah. wife said you know that looks really good. You should wear it to work one day this week, and so I decided to try to do it. It's very Christmassy. She picked out. You like it? I, I like it. It's a little bougie. By the way, you don't know Matt. Matt is the VP of Sustainability and Innovation over at Covenant. That's why he's innovating with his uh, bow tie right here. It's like the Pee Wee Herman one. You can you can throw it. Hey, someone. don't be a hater. I know for the being in the industry, it's probably a little unusual. Am I the best dressed person all all day on the show? I don't know. We'll have to see what guests come on. We have some awesome ones. We'll get to them in a minute. But you know who you know who you had dressed with a uh, hang glider on his back? Mustafa, take a look That's at this right. video. This was at F3. We always talk so much about you hang gliding. You've even done promos for F3 from a hang glider. But when I had Mustafa on, I loaded up the wrong video. So you're going to have to walk us through this. What happened here? So right after F3, Mustafa really, the, the one thing he wanted to do in Chattanooga was to go tandem hang gliding. And so I said, well, you just happen to be in one of the best places in the country to do it. So they were actually kind of closed that day. And I called the owner. He opened it up. Um, Mustafa, he he was smiling from ear to ear. He hit the ground and he just, I don't know, he might have cried. Mustafa, if you're watching this. You I'm, don't like jump off a cliff. He has a no, rope yeah, tethered he goes to. Yeah, behind an airplane. And then he just goes fast and the lift brings the wings up. Yep, it's like water skiing in the eye, in the sky. So it's, um, he went to probably 3,000 feet, probably flew for maybe 15, 18 minutes. Is he connected to the plane the whole time, or do you do they release that cable at some point? So at 3,000 feet, you cut loose. Okay. Um, there's three points of redundancy. You can release, the pilot can release you, or the line can break. There's a weak point if the stress gets too hard. And so once you release from the plane, it's just smooth sailing all the way back down to the ground. I've been doing it for about 25, 26 years. It's one of my favorite things to do. Did, so did he have to go with an instructor, like, or did oh, they yeah. send him up there alone? Oh, no, 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 yeah, definitely an instructor, definitely an instructor. I used to have my instructor rating. The last person that I took tandem was my wife, or who was my fiance at the time. This looks like it could be an expensive hobby. Is it expensive to get up there? Um, once you do all your training, buy your glider, buy your parachute, buy your harness, like, I don't think I've spent any money except for the cost of arrow towing. Um, yeah. Maybe four, five, six years. What does a tow cost? Uh, $30 to 3,000 feet, 25 Oh, wow. Feet. I thought it would be like hundreds just to no, get no, like no. a plane to move. Yeah. So it's great because you can jump off the mountain. Yeah. But then you've only got 1,500 feet between there and the ground to try to catch a thermal, to try to fly a little bit longer. The alternative is to tow up twice that height, twice the time, and your car happens to be in the bottom of the landing field. It's not on top of the mountain anymore. What do they tell you to do? Like if you're heading towards, a, like if something goes wrong, you're heading towards like a tree or like you're losing altitude. So everything in hang gliding is avoidable. Like weather just doesn't happen. It just doesn't come out of nowhere. It's funny, I guess sometimes you could have a lightning strike. Everything is avoidable. They're, they say, Dooner, there are old pilots and there's yeah. bold pilots, but there are no old, bold pilots. Old, bold pilots, I old, bet bo- not. Yeah, so... Yeah. There's some bold drivers out there. Hey, do you decorate the trucks over at Covenant? Take a look at this. Tell me if you think there's too many lights on this guy's tanker. What do you Something tells me he's an owner-operator. Something tells you not to be able to do that. You, know, you, get, you don't do it the company fleets over at Covenant? And plus, that's a cement truck, too. It so. is a cement truck. Yeah. Um, so our individual drivers, they can do what they want to. Um, 
I think I've seen some decent flare. Mostly it's on the inside of the cab, not so yeah. much the outside. But We got some inside. Oh, by the I way, do you think DOT it. pulls you over if you have a light out? Oh, one little one little Christmas light. This is the inside. I asked I asked a bunch of drivers if they do this, and a lot of them said no. Like I'm too busy rolling and making money. One of them said he put stuff up, but it kept falling down. It's um. I'm so I'm about to head out to Wyoming oh. uh, on Friday. I'm driving yeah. out, so I'll be paying close to. If I see something on the road, get me pictures. Or I'll, I'll send you out. I'll text pictures. In fact, if you guys want to, you know, we can do a call in on Friday. Maybe we can. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. About I'll be on the road for 30 hours. In fact, if you're one of those people that send me LinkedIn messages, like, hey, I'd like 15 minutes of your time. Yeah. And you know, normally it's out of context and what I do for a living. This Friday, I might actually just take your call because I've got 30 hours of nothing. All right. Yeah, some good podcasts. I thought uh, you were going to say, don't bother me at all. I'm going to no, be on a road trip. No, but no, you're no. like, no, hit me up. It's funny because somebody will call and they're like, hello, can you please talk? Yeah. Uh, really? Do you have to go? Can there we you talk go. a little bit longer? Look, you, this is like pitch o'clock this week. So look up Matt on LinkedIn. LinkedIn and yep. if you got some pitches for him, you want to bring sustainability into 2024, you got a per, you got his ear. You it's got to be about truck. trucking, though. No robotic process automation, none of that stuff. No AI, yeah. regenerative AI. No AI. You don't care about it. All about trucking. A lot of people are they, have a lot of people pivoted to AI. Like, have they gone like? I know I talked to you about EV. I want to sell you some AI, Matt. Uh, you know what? I'm going to be talking with Bill Priestley about that here uh, later this afternoon on um, on his show. Okay. Yeah. So you so, can't answer the question. Um, I don't want to steal his thunder. Okay. He's a great guy. I love Bill. All I can't, right. I can't, yeah. All right, let's throw some shine then on Ready to Execute. They're doing a toy drive. Go help these guys out. Let's roll the tape. Hey, everybody. I'm Spencer Hayes. I'm the national sales director here at R2X. I want to make a quick announcement. Uh, we are participating in the IMPD Southeast toy drive this year. Uh, looking for donations for children ages 0 to 16. Uh, please drop by. We'd love to fill this box up a couple more times. Uh, the event ends December 9th, so please donate when you can. Hope to see you there. Very cool. In the Southeast, too, Toy Drive. Uh, we need more of these in logistics. If you guys are out there, you're doing something for the holidays, you're doing Toy Drives or anything like that, you have a clip, send it my way. I'll play it on our shows up through the holiday. More than happy to help out with initiatives like this. Yeah, I think this. we do the Angel Tree where you oh, yeah? can shop for local kids. Oh. Yeah. Well, if you got something going on, let me know about it. Okay, I'll, I'll yeah. share some. Uh, I'll share Absolutely. some. Absolutely. All right. Text me that. Last question for you before we start to get some, to some guests here. Elon put out the Cybertruck. Check out this video. It's very Westworld. Although I got to be honest here, this is CGI. This is, I saw this one. This is not, oh, this is great. This is really cool. Yeehaw. I mean, when I was a kid in the 80s, this is like the like the future we were promised. Your weapon, sir. Thank you. I mean, frightening Stewart. at the same time. I can't stop watching. Fire in the hole. I'm He's going to put his hands up. <laughs> Awesome. That's fantastic. Way to go. We did it. Stuart. All right, Matt. So you put the pre-order like I did in 2019. I did cancel mine this year, but Elon just released the specs and the numbers. They came in under in range, higher in price. The car is it's very 2023, 5% smaller than the prototype was. Uh, for the single motor, 50% more expensive. Uh, when you get to the other ones, the dual motor, it went up, I think, what, 20, 25,000? I never understood how the single motor was going to be $40,000. There was just, like, I, I, when I signed up for the dual motor at 50, um, I knew that it was probably going to go up yeah. now, by a factor of what I don't know. But yeah. um, a friend of mine's in New York right now. He just texted me a picture of it. He says it's massive. He said the pictures don't really do it justice. It's like just physically very big. Do you know where you are in line? Because I heard they can do about maybe 300,000 when they ramp up production. There's about 1.9 million pre-orders. It could be a couple of years, Matt. 
So from what I understand, it's not first come, first serve. I yeah. think that first batch is going out to influencers and maybe, F, you know, FOEs, Friends of Elon, maybe yeah. Joe Rogan probably gets one. And, <laughs> I like that. You know, Always. and then um, I think it really is, they're splitting up by state, but but it's not first come, first serve. But I hope, man, I tell you, I've got money kind of parked away. I told my wife, if this thing comes in, we're pulling the trigger. Very, very cool. Yeah, I can't wait. Well, you know what? You might have the money. The freight market might be improving. The doomsayer himself, Craig Fuller, put this tweet out over the weekend. He said, one of the great things about freight data is how broad and fragmented the market is, along with the fact that supply chains are upstream. Our trucking container data sets come from uh, completely independent sources. So when you see development in both container and trucking data sets, it suggests that something macro is happening. That is what I'm seeing in containers and trucking. Look at, uh, let's look at uh, ocean containers first. Show that first chart. It says, year-over-year comps in both data sets both uh, inflected in recent months, suggesting that inventories have burned off and the goods economy recovery may be on some way. And if you can see that, freight is up on the ocean, at least over last year. So that's a good sign. Then if we look at trucking, we can also see over here that on the outbound tender volume index, where it dropped off last year, we're still staying up there a little bit. We're still staying a little bit in this. Robert F. Palantine said, explain this to the layman, please. Uh, Craig says, more freight being shipped than last year. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Positive sign. We we're talking to some LTL winners today, too. Some, some couple companies are doing really well in that LTL space. We're talking to On Deck. Actually, let's get to the rundown. On today's episode of What the Truck, we got Rocket Shipping's Gabe uh, Panconin. He is here to, with a narrative violation. His company just set record revenue in November, and he's here to share how to win the down market. Plus, we'll probably talk a little bit about BCS. I know he's been furious about Florida State. I didn't even know he was a Florida State guy, so we'll have to find out what's going on there. Oh, and problem employees, too. It's getting that time of the year. You might have to clean house, find out how to deal with them. I think uh, I think we're doing pretty good. You 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 got all the problem employees out of the house. Yeah, we've got great people. Yeah, you know, you know because we got great hiring managers. So well, we've also got Open Table for Bob. You use Open Table at all to book like um, when you go to eat? I, yes, I do. My new favorite restaurant is Open Table only. Well, Grafton, it's really. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah, Grafton Elliott. Let's go to lunch after this. Oh, well, maybe we will. Grafton yeah. Elliott from Onward Delivery. He's going to be here. He's going to talk about um, how they're helping four of the top 10 big and bulky brokers in the nation get through peak season with his Onward for box trucks. We'll learn all I'm, about it. I, I want to hear what the, I'm interested in this one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You've got some great guests today. Well, yeah. And then we also were starting out with Avert Express, Ken Williams. He's going to break down a 2024 market outlook. He's going to talk a little about nearshoring, being a top performer in LTL, and giving back to the community. So we got a lot of stuff. Should we bring Kent up? Let's bring it up. Let's bring up Kent. I love how he's so festive, too. He's got the red and green. He know what show he was coming on today. He's the EVP of sales and marketing over at Averitt. Kent, first of all, before we get into stuff, what do you think about the BCS shakedown? Are you okay with the four in the playoffs? I am not. I am Ooh. married to a Florida State grad. Both my kids are Florida State grads, so I am uh, I am none too happy with that, dear. Uh, can't expand fast enough the field, can they? No, they can't. They can't. Question: Who would you who would you kick out? Who would you kick out from this list? Alabama, of course. I'm an Auburn alumni, so that's easy, you know. But uh, uh, you know, they, hey, they're a very, very good team. I understand the argument. Florida State on the eye test with their on their third string quarterback, but you know, hey, they won their conference. They won with their third string quarterback. The second string quarterback should be back by next week. I don't know how you leave them out, but you know, hey, that's I guess for greater minds than mine. It's hard for FSU, right? They did everything they could. They've been on a multi-year win streak. I mean, what are you supposed to do? What do you, you know, Kent, my kid just got into Auburn, so we might I, I might become an Auburn fan after all. Oh, a little Tigers hat. Yeah. Little Tigers hat on it. Yeah. 
scholarship and everything. So we'll see what happens. Well, Kent, let's get to the meet here. 2024, right around the corner. We actually, our last What the Truck is 2015. Everyone's, he's gearing up for a big road trip to Wyoming. Everyone's kind of has almost a foot out the door, but let's finish strong and let's look forward to 2024. What are you seeing in the general freight market moving into the next year? Sure. Well, you know, it's interesting that, uh, of course, last week, early last week, um, the, the data came out. We, we're, we play both in the LTL and truckload space, along with dedicated international shipping and, and some other places. But last year, the uh, tender rejection rate was uh, at 3.67, as reported on Freightways, all, uh, matching the all-time low or really close to it. So um, that would tell us we're, we're still struggling in the truckload side, and, and, and we feel that, too. But we had started hearing some positive signs from a lot of our customers, especially those that, that uh, participate in the e-commerce space. And I, too, saw Craig's uh, tweet that came out um, that was predicting possibly some turning. And, and, and we felt that. In fact, last Thursday, the last day of the month in, in, in November, and of course, the end of the month tends to be strong, was our all-time record day, which kind of came out of the blue. This year, the year-over-year comps have been a little tougher compared to 2022 because that was such a phenomenal year. So, uh, in fact, last week is, is – uh, I haven't gone back to see if it's our all-time best week, but it's, it's, it's certainly going to be among the top. So, we're finally starting to see some positive momentum. Uh, I think going into the beginning of the year, it might be a little bit more of the same, but um, seeing that, that uh, information that Craig tweeted out about the uh, increase in container shipping, uh, obviously uh, more imports lead some more truckloads and LTLs moving across the country and more transloading and dray. So I, I'm optimistic, but I'm in sales. We're supposed to be optimistic, right? Well, yeah, yeah, you, you might be in some trouble if you, if you weren't bringing too much eggnog or something. But but here's the good news. Like, I've talked to a number of LTL uh, 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 carriers and brokers. We actually have one on later who also had, on the brokerage side, they had a record month in LTL as well. So we're hearing it through the industry, and there's been some big factors. I mean, we did lose yellow, so that put more freight in the pool for everyone else to grab in. But how about nearshoring? How is nearshoring playing into LTL, and are we actually seeing that happening? We are, yeah. I mean, it's going to take a it's going to take a while to unwind from from the dependence on on Chinese imports and Chinese manufacturing, as well as you know Asia in general. But nearshoring, or some label it fringe shoring, I think we kind of found, finally figured out in uh, in uh, COVID that it's probably not a good idea to have everything that you need um, to function as a as a society made in a in a country that sometimes you're not always on the best terms with, and so. Uh, we are seeing a, a big resurgence in, in Mexico. Obviously, our imports have improved from Canada as well as uh, Latin America, just a lot of, of, of friendly countries. Uh, that's great for us because we have um, really strong presence on the U.S.-Mexico border with facilities in uh, Laredo, El Paso, uh, Harlingen, Texas. Uh, we also have really strong partners both in Mexico and Canada. We're also seeing some um, uh, some movement coming over across the Gulf from Mexican seaports. Of course, historically, everything's flowed across the border uh, via trucks, which if you've ever been to Laredo, you can, there's just nothing like it as far as the amount of volume coming across there. We're starting to see some volume come across in the Gulf Coast and, and the Florida ports, um, which, which makes sense. I, I think there's still some infrastructure that needs to be built out on the interior of Mexico that would make that process easier to, to get um, – the, the containers from where the manufacturing centers are to the Mexican ports. But um, I do think that will be a growing trend. So we're definitely seeing nearshoring taking off. And I, I think it's great. Uh, second only to obviously uh, resurgence of U.S. Uh, manufacturing. But uh, but we'll, we'll take it as a close second. Matt, all this uh, overseas sort of saber rattling, are you seeing that at, at Covenant out of, out of your partners too? They, they're more of an interest in 
getting closer, not getting cut out. I mean, a, a war with China would be scary. Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of more chip manufacturing here in the United States. I mean, yeah. that seemed to be the biggest thing, you know, during COVID was, you know, Tesla could get their chips. In fact, it was brilliant because what Tesla did was they re-engineered the existing chips that were in the car. It's like, well, this one's got capacity. Let's just reprogram all this stuff so that that one can take processing power where this one normally would have been. And they just, it was brilliant the way they dealt with it. But yeah, I would, I'm definitely a fan of nearshoring. You know, I think Averett does a little bit more drainage work than we do. So, yeah. you know, we're not really, we don't see every day kind of what that activity is at the ports. But yeah, it's um, the parent of a teenager, Challenge, like, like he wants to be a doctor like his mom like hey you should get into manufacturing yeah well hey maybe you should get into ltl you can win awards in there you guys got one you got a top ltl carrier mm -hmm. from uh the mysteo survey how did you end up doing it especially in a year like this yeah i appreciate that the master award it's a big deal it's, it's really kind of highly coveted in our industry they they survey over 1600 shippers and uh, we came in with the number one ranking. We've, we, we're historically been in the top three. Obviously, it's a pretty tough competition because uh, you're going against everybody in the business. Um, really, the secrets, I think we just made a lot of progress on our KPIs. Our claims ratio is down to, gosh, what's that number? Um, I want to say it's 2.3 per 1,000 shipments or claims filed. A lot of times people will, will gig a carrier and say, well, your claims ratio is low because of the, you know, you, you deny claims and, you know, hey, maybe guilty as charged uh, when, when appropriate. But uh, with claims filed a ratio like that, 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 you know, clearly if there's no damage, you can't file a claim. So we're really proud with that. All-time services at a record high, but honestly, Dooner, it, it, it's the people in the trenches. It is the drivers um, that, that not only get the job done, move these loads timely, deliver timely, make their appointments both on the LTL and truckload side, um, but it's the relationships they build with the customers. I mean, these guys become an integral part of their customer's operation. Um, you know, they, they, they know their schedules. They know when they have a component on their truck that they need. Um, they'll they'll reroute their uh, they, they reconfigure their route so they can get in there earlier. They get invited to customers, Christmas parties, weddings are just an integral part, as well as the warriors that are, that are working every night on the platform. A lot of us are home sleeping. Um, they, uh, we've got our, uh, doc associates, supervisors, yard jockeys, uh, thousands and thousands of people that, that, and, and, and road drivers that run terminal to terminal at night that, that, that bust it to make sure that, that we pull this off. So team effort, um, but uh, credit goes to the people that where the rubber meets the road, the people out there making it happen, and, and they do a great job. But we're, we're super proud to be rated the, the highest carrier. It's, it's just, a, you know, it makes us feel like, you know, it's by design. Obviously, we work very, very hard at it, and, and, uh, I, but I'm, I'm most excited um, for the operations folks, the ones that make it happen. Well, yeah. Hey, Ken, I want to brag on one thing about y'all as well. I spoke at um, Tennessee Tech earlier this year, and I drove right past your offices there in Cookville, which I didn't, I, I didn't know that you were so close. And yeah. um, man, the university loves you guys. You know, you give back a lot. A lot of the students, I guess, are interested in coming over to recruit afterwards. But you know, great partnership with the local uh, you know, academic institution, and uh, yeah, just it's just great the influence that y'all have over there. I appreciate that. You need to swing in and see us next time. Well, you know, now, now I'm going to, now I have a name. We'll, we'll so. carpool over. We'll, we'll come down. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll double team you guys and say hello. But, you know, you gave me a good segue here. I started the show highlighting a broker that was giving back by doing a toy drive. And I realized that Averett is as well. What are you guys doing on this holiday season? Man, we do a lot. What aren't we doing? The, 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 the single thing that we're always most proud of is our long-term partnership with St. Jude's Children's Hospital, of course, mm -hmm. in Memphis. Uh, last year, we gave $1 million, um, 
excuse me, yeah, $1,200,001 to St. Jude. We've not, uh, we're meeting in the two weeks to decide this year's contribution. Actually, next week to decide this year's contribution. It'll be at least that much, if not more. And we always say the one because we ask our associates to give as much as they feel compelled. But we, we say, hey, you know, if you got a dollar, just give a dollar. And so when they say, why did we give a million two hundred thousand one? Well, that's your dollar. That's that's the one you gave. But we're just we can't be more excited. I, I've had the opportunity to visit uh, St. Jude's and the work they do is just phenomenal. So in my mind, you know, just just to have the opportunity to to uh, give back to that is, is critically important. We also rounded up 30,000 plus Hot Wheels for those guys this year. Last year we brought in. I don't know how many thousand pounds of Play-Doh. Um, this year we said, hey, you know, we did the Play-Doh drive last year. What can we do? And they said Hot Wheels. And one of our customers even joined us and really kicked in about half of the Hot Wheels came from a customer. And the rest of it came from individual associates just going to Walmart, buying some Hot Wheels, bringing them in. And we took them there for the kids to play with them. In addition to St. Jude's, uh, we had a campaign. We sent one, uh, excuse me, 15,000 cards and letters to troops deployed overseas. Wow. All of our associates, uh, anybody that want to participate, we, we would give them stationary or they could do their own. And we would write these cards just to thank them for what they do, because a lot of them obviously are away for Christmas. So we sent out 15,000 cards. Uh, we have something we keep up with all year long called the Team Up Challenge. And that's where local associates will go out. They may go build a new ramp at a uh, say a retirement facility or do a cleanup on the beach, some of our Florida facilities, or it could be anything and everything, help out with food drives. And we were projected to come in just over 16,000 hours of, uh, of effort we have in, in our local communities of, of giving back to the communities. Wow. Just last week, a little Chattanooga flavor. Uh, Chattanooga Bakery asked us to move um, some moon pies that they were donating to Fort Campbell. We moved 65,000 moon pies uh, from Chattanooga to uh, Fort mm. Campbell, Kentucky. So that, that was exciting. And lastly, um, you know, we 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 are very fortunate to be in a very pretty car, uh, part of the country, as are you down there, Dooner. And uh, we've got some local state parks that were really um, a lot of us um, um enjoy visiting uh, Fall Creek Falls, Cummings Falls, Burgess Falls, and we've got Tennessee State Parks coming in a uh, week after next. We're going to make a donation there to uh, help the good work they're doing and, and, and try to give back to the beautiful area that we find ourselves uh, in at the middle, in middle Tennessee on the Cumberland Plateau. So Speaking a lot going on, but uh, we, we enjoy all that. Lord's work out there. You got so much going on. You know, the team over there is amazing. Thanks for holding it down in Tennessee and across the nation. But now, before I let you go, most important question of the show, what's the best Christmas movie? I put a poll out, and my poll, I had Home Alone, Rocky IV, that fight against Drago, that end of the Cold War, was on Christmas. And if Die Hard can be in there, then so can Rocky IV. And I had to have Die Hard. Not because I necessarily think it's a Christmas movie. I think it's more Christmas-adjacent. I would say yeah. that'd be kind of family friendly, but you know, the audience else, but Christmas vacation one easy 42.6. You don't have to pick one of these. What is your favorite Christmas movie, Kent? Oh, it's absolutely Christmas vacation. Oh, wow. I mean, when, when, when Clark gets the jelly of the month club, I mean, I just, I die. I've seen it a hundred times and I die. <laughs> oh, gee, turkey blowing up. It's just the best. You can't beat it. They got it in 4K. The Red Rider, the Red Rider BB gun. No, no, that's a Christmas story. Oh, Christmas story. Yeah. 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 Christmas, oh, yeah. Vacation Christmas vacation is more vacation. the Griswolds. Yeah, the Griswolds. What right. is your choice? You know, so I'm a little bit of a um, romantic comedy guy. So there's yeah. this one called um, uh, Four Christmases. No, it was oh. called um, uh, had Cameron um, Love Actually. Love Actually. There we go. That was a great one. I love that. But that's one I can okay. watch with my wife. I don't think she would be into. Brave man to admit that hey. on what the trucks are. Yeah, my 
soft side. Well, you're both wrong. The real answer is home alone. Ken, thank you so much for joining us today. How do people reach out to you? Well, I got the, got the oh. hat here. So, uh, oh, wow. Absolutely. I love it. Hey, is that green and red? Kay Williams. Yeah, Kay Williams. No, it's actually black. Something up the oh. color. But uh, Kay Williams, uh, Avert Express, uh, AvertExpress.com or Avert.com. Both, both Wait, is your, now I'm, is your shirt black or is your shirt green? My shirt is black, yeah. Oh, wow. It it looks green. It reads green on our screen here. We're like, he is very, very festive. Well, it reads well. It worked out well today. Hey, Ken, thank you so much for joining us. You have a great Christmas. Happy holidays to you and the whole team over at Averitt. Merry Christmas, and I appreciate the work you guys do. Love it. Take care. All right. Christmas time isn't always good. Sometimes Christmas time can bring out some uh, some emotions on the road. And I hope this isn't you uh, when you go on your trip. Let's take a look. Meanwhile, this happened actually in New Jersey. Take a look at that U-Haul over there. He missed his, he was kind of going that exit. He pulled himself back in and he hits this box truck on the side. And you can see he's just grinding him against the side. I don't know if he wedged himself in there with the box truck or not, but they're eventually going to realize they're both being kind of stupid and something's got to give. So Uh-oh. keep watching here. Look, so he finally stops. His bumper rips off, but then he decides, you know what? I'm going to take your bumper off. So he drives around to the front. He hits this guy's bumper off. And now they're going to get out of the truck and have a conversation. Probably, yeah. See this guy, box truck is like, what the hell? Like, especially after that bumper. And he's actually got a buddy, but the buddy's distracted. He is too busy picking up debris around here. Meanwhile, you he all see it. He can't see it. He doesn't know. You all guy is giving his guy the business. He's kicking the crap out of his buddy from the box truck. I watch one of these Instagram channels. I post crashes. Yeah. Is that where you get these? No, I, I, people send me stuff all the time. Oh, these are great. Yeah. You ever gotten in like a fight like that on the road? Um, no, I have not. I mean, somebody gave me a, you know, a, a nice wave once. A nice wave. Yeah. yeah. To be honest with you, I probably deserved it. I wasn't, you know, paying attention to cut somebody off. Driving that big Sprinter, man. So, I, like in 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 Boston, you can kind of yell and beep at people and swear, and nobody really takes it personally. It's just yeah. like comes with the territory. I've never gotten into a fight. I'm actually I'm more polite down here south though, because I feel like everyone probably has a gun in their car. Maybe in the South. Yeah, that maybe. That might be a good assumption, yeah. <laughs> or Wyoming. You know, it's funny. I got pulled over in Wyoming. And so, because I'm a concealed carry permanent owner, the officer said, license registration. I said, officer, just want to let you know I have a gun in the car. And he said, son, this is Wyoming. I would be surprised if you didn't have oh, a wow. gun in the car. You need There's big creatures out there. We've both yeah. been there. Yeah. All right, let's talk to Grafton Elliott. He's the founder and CEO over at Onward Delivery, which promises to be open table for box trucks, Matt. Let's hear it. Hey, he's out of Colorado, by the way. Bronco country. Let's ride. What's up, brother? Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it was great. It's great to be on. Yeah, what a segue too with the, the box trucks <laughs> because this two man. We're talking a lot about two man teams today, and that two man didn't help at all. <laughs> for that yeah, team. I hope they weren't booked on onward. Those those guys right there. You ever get into any any road rage? No, I'm never on the road anymore because I'm I'm working. Our company is remote, but. I can imagine. There's no way not to get road rage when that happens. Sure. Well, you're the you're the founder and CEO, so you're the best guy to ask. For those who don't know, what's Onward? Yeah, so Onward's a, a platform. We help brokers, forwarders, and 3PLs handle what we call problem deliveries. So um, the, we used a company was founded based on helping companies with rural, suburban, like non-local deliveries. But uh, through the busy season and as of late, we've been helping a lot of brokers with peak season rushes just with our network we've built. Uh, to solve that rural problem originally. So it's exactly what we do. We fight the fires so brokers don't have to, especially during peak season. Why like why did you do you remember the day you were walking around, and you're like, I gotta start onward. I gotta start my own company. What was what what brought it together for you? I was managing, I was a part of the network management team for a big brokerage called CDS Logistics, um, which is one of the larger ones in the big and bulky space. And 
I was um, we had an account actually through Cabinet Works Group, which is a larger kitchen cabinet brand, and we had to go a lot of the carriers to get the account. We had to service some really rural zip codes, um, which were like not in the means of our carriers to service at all, and it created this kind of bad situation and market that. Um, made us realize that there is a ton of companies going to these rural zip codes, all traveling a lot of times less than full capacity. And there was an opportunity to, to fill that space and help me because in my network management shoes, I was constantly stressed out about finding carriers to deliver these jobs and, and all the firefighting network managers go through. So basically to solve the own problem, problems I was dealing with at my last company, mainly. Matt, what do you do with your problem freight? We just don't have any. You don't have any. Yeah, but you know who does? Who? Sunny Daisy, Tennessee. Their mail, the USPS is sitting on pallets and pallets. I saw that. It was like outside, right? Sitting outside in the rain. In the open air. Yeah, crazy. Should call Sunny Daisy USPS. Done. After the call. Yeah, I can note. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is the biggest, like, what are the biggest problems right now? What is the stuff that people don't want, especially in, in the box space? Well, right now, it's just the most brokers and forwarders partner with one carrier in every market in each uh, as, as normal for their providers. And for peak season, if those companies are over capacity, that's the main issue we're dealing with right now. So one of our, our larger brokerages, EFW, and their, their, um, their, capa- their capacity that's going to their primary carriers overflowing. So now they're able to tap into the network and get us to deliver orders because the alternative is have those customers wait weeks until they meet the capacity in terms of um, the deliveries. That's the main use case. But the, the one that we love is the non, non-local deliveries because you might have hundreds of deliveries locally, but maybe you have one or two deliveries that are in your rural zip codes. There's no reason to send one box truck out to deliver one or two orders when you can leverage our network for that. So that's the main problem that we love that we solve year round. Uh, peak season is where we solve the overflow capacity piece. Interesting. And apparently you serve, what, four of the top 10 shippers during this peak season. How did you get them and how do you serve them? Well, it's been a, 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 a long ride. We haven't, uh, we've been, we have a long ride relative to the startup world, but we've been in business for four years now. And we've, we've been collecting the data to be able to provide the service to our brokerages over the port last three and a half years. And we've only been in market now selling to, to outbound for the last year and a half. And the reason I think we begin connect is just referrals and other people hearing our services and, and experiencing kind of we're able to deliver and market and then giving, uh, you know, letting that, that network effect happen, not from a technology standpoint, from just people saying, hey, you got to check these guys out. Like they're helping us, you know, deal with all the problems that we're, we used to continuously deal with year round. It's mainly referrals right now. It's how we've been growing. So when you started the company, how have you had to pivot it? You got into this space. You said it's been a long road. What's changed since you began the company? Great question. Well, I think that, yeah, the, the big thing is, is that when, when you're looking at like forwarders and you ask the question, like, why can't forwarders handle the rural deliveries and emergency situations themselves? And why do they need like a company to fill in? Because that's essentially what they're, what they're great at is like handling those, those one-off needs. So when we started the company, we thought we were going to be able to do it just like with a load board, right? Like pull all the orders that need to be delivered to rural zip codes or where emergency situations pop up, throw them on a load board. We'll get carriers to come in and, and claim it. And we fell straight on our face <laughs> about three years ago by trying that trying that concept because we were no better than the forwarders at handling those problems. We were just a call center essentially for them. So we realized that back then that we needed to find a way to get the data to understand where carriers are physically traveling, their real-time capacity, so we can actually deliver this value to the to the forwarders. 
So over the last three years, we've been working on this process where we actually integrate with some of the major dispatching softwares that these carriers use and providers use in the market, such as Fleet Enable, OnFleet, and many of the other top brands. And what that allows us to do is extract the real-time capacity of the carriers that are leveraging those technologies. So we know where trucks are traveling on a daily basis, where they're going tomorrow, uh, their real-time capacity. So when an order pops up on our market for a rural zip code or uh, 10 orders that need to be fulfilled uh, because of peak season, we're not able, to, we don't have to call anyone. We can just see right then and there who's available to claim the load and, and give that connection immediate, immediate to them. And really what it comes down to, it allow forwarders to have a network where they're working with multiple carriers in each market and not just one, which is really the reason that creates this firefighting scenario in the first place. So that's the long answer to the question, but it's been we, we fell on our face originally. It's just been an iterative process to figure out a way to, to provide this value. So what's the parallel now between this and OpenTable? I think, that, well, I think the, the good way to look at it is, I, this, I read a stat recently that around 60% of customers back in like 2015 that were shopping and rest, going to restaurants, you should just go to the same exact, uh, oh, sorry, would travel to new new restaurants every single time they went out. So it means 40% of the time they would just go to the same restaurants because of the the barriers to be able to, to purchase, to go into rest, restaurants. And, but open table has like broke down those barriers and it's very easy for you to cook, to grab a table at any restaurant. And, and that's kind of the same situation that we're dealing with in our, in our market is for a forwarder to work with two carriers in the market. They have to juggle two tariff tables, two delivery profiles, two insurances. They have to connect into the, the dispatching softwares that carriers are using to make sure your customers get status updates back. And it just becomes kind of like a, throw your hands up in the air. There's no reason to partner with more than uh, than one carrier, especially just with the nuances of big and bulky. But with us, you know, creating these, these data point connections and, and using these integrations, we create that kind of like click of a button. What it is a click of a button access to additional capacity. And like I said, it's been a long road to get to this point, but it, it definitely works now. And that's why we've been expanding with those larger brokers. Very, very cool. Hey, how do people check out the service? How do they, uh, how do they dial in? Yeah, so it's um, you can contact me on LinkedIn directly as Grafton Elliott, and then you can sign up on the on the website to to learn more. But I would really just encourage if and there's anybody that was in my shoes, my previous life, my last career, it's network manager, and you're fighting a fire uh, in in the network right now because of peak season. Just please uh, give us a try. I think you'll be really happy with the services. And then for our partners, so for dispatching softwares that integrate with us, we can get this data. Um, that would be amazing to, to, to reach out to us as well. The more carriers are sorry, the more dispatching softwares that plug into our network, that just means that the, the better service we can provide and the more data we have to know the carriers that are going to these rural zip codes. So it, it really is a, uh, the more data we get, the more access we get, the better the service provide that we can, the services we can provide to our forwarders. Grafton, very cool. We need a little bit of data. We're doing a poll on the best Christmas movie, according to people in logistics. Um, I put this one out here, Christmas Vacation 1, but we've now had votes for uh, Christmas Vacation. Love Actually. Kent. You said Love Actually. I said Home Alone. What is your pick? You don't have to pick from that list. I think The, the Grinch with Jim Carrey. I feel like, the, I feel oh, like that's got to be number one for me. Have you <laughs> seen the Illumination Carrey, one? Reason. Have you seen the, the Illumination one that came out a few years ago? I haven't. I haven't seen any like recent from Jim Carrey. It's been all like back no, he, in the Jim Carrey's not in it. It's the Grinch. It's the Grinch. There's oh. no uh, there's no Jim Carrey involved. I gotta see it then. Yeah, I'll check it out. Hey, hey Grafton, where where are you in Colorado? 
Um, so Denver, Colorado. Oh, Denver. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. I'll be passing through there yeah. in a couple of days. I'll give you a shout. Come by and see World Please do. Please do. He's going I'm actually funny up in Kansas City right now. Um, so really close to Denver. We just had a, a baby. So we're um, with my, my brother-in-law right now. But be back in Denver in the next month or so. So I'll be so passing through Kansas City on my way to Denver. He's going everywhere. So you can't avoid him. <laughs> Tennessee, no matter where you say, he's going to be like, I'll be there on Thursday. Yeah, Tennessee to Jackson Hole. It's a long drive on 70. No. Well, take it easy. I'll see you regardless. Grafton, thank you so much for stopping by the show. Appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. It means a lot. Thanks for being on. Take care. By the way, Mustafa has been blowing up my phone. What does Mustafa want? He's watching because you're co-hosting today. He probably, you know, so they lost his video. Mustafa, you can send me a text, but they um, they lost the vid. They took in-flight video. Yeah. And then they lost it, but I'm hoping they found it. Mustafa, you can send me a text. Let me know if they found it. Okay, well, Mustafa says, maybe we have a Christmas tree competition, but I have to send him all my trucks, or I can probably find some online. I can't send you all my trucks, Mustafa. Mustafa, what you have to do, so if you notice this here, this big Christmas tree, Anybody who's anybody is on this tree. Any company that's anybody. So if you're not on this tree, you're not anybody. So send an ornament if you want to be well represented on the holiday. I have to have a record. This has to be a record, right? I, you know, you, what Christmas tree has more freight ornaments on it than this? I can't believe that we forgot to send you one of ours. I know. Where we is do it? have an ornament. I know. Where is it? I know. We're, we're right going to give you all grief. Yeah. Well, we still got the rest of the month. Plenty of right. time. Well, elsewhere, you got a, You got a cat, by the way. Uh, what's the truck? No, you have a cat. I don't have a cat. Ryan Schreiber has a cat. Yeah, that is Ryan Schreiber right there. Ryan Schreiber. That's what happened. He got to Ryan's Cheez-Its. Ryan always is. If you know Ryan, he's always got Cheez-Its in his beard. You know, he's <laughs> always going beard. like this, yeah. pulling the Cheez-It crumbs out of his Every, beard. Anytime I see a cat t-shirt, I take a picture of it. That's, that's his cologne. Yeah. <laughs> it's Nabisco. All right, let's bring up Gabe, CEO at Rocket Shipping. Gabe, what's up, man? It's been too long. How you, got, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. Hey, happy birthday, by the way. Didn't you just turn 30 like a week or two ago? Yeah, November 26th, big 3-0. I'm officially old, and uh, I feel it for sure. Officially old, old man. Officially it's old. weird being the same age as old people. You and I know that. I felt older before, like, I got married and had kids. Like, because, like, like, I turned 30. You know you have these fake milestones in your head, like, you're supposed to be doing this by doing that. And then, like, once I got married and had the kids, like, I feel much younger than when I had a lot of pressure on myself of, like, milestones. I know. You know, I was with my wife the other night. Somebody flirted with me in front of with girl, another woman flirted oh. with me in front of my wife. And I thought, I've still got it. Interesting. Yeah. I, there was a, there Maybe was it's a, the candy cane mug because I was wearing this. So there was a rapper on Instagram and he had like these, these dreads. And uh, he said he put up two pictures, one before, one after. And I guess some girl came over at a party there and she said, I love your hair. And he woke up with his hair completely cut off. <laughs> So I, that, I, that's not what happened to you with your wife, right? That's no. not why you're wearing the beanie. No, it wouldn't happen. No, I'm wearing the beanie because it was cold outside. But I'll take it off. <laughs> Gabe, how are you? One of the reasons I want to have you on is it's been so depressing. It's been depressing being up here all, all year long talking about the freight recession. And lately, I've been talking to a lot of different people that are involved in LTL. And all of them are like, dude, we're kind of booming over here. We're doing great. You were one of them. You put out, you said, dude, we did record revenue in November. So first of all, congratulations. But like, tell us what Rocket does and how did you get there? How are you winning right now? You know, I think of it this way. The, anytime anybody asks how we're being successful in this market, I just say what we screwed up at and what we changed and how we're doing it differently now. And so in the beginning of the year, we were doing a little bit of everything. We do LTL, truckload, TMS. We were trying to hit the whole market and, you know, we were growing fast. Um, we ended up just saying, hey, uh, in mid-spring, we said, let's just focus on what we're really good at and stick with our niche, which is LTL, mid-market managed transportation we have a TMS play. Uh, our clients can use their LTL rates, manage them with ours. We blend them together. And then we manage that LTL profile. Of course, we still do truckload, but it's more on the specialized and expedited side. 
and so it turns out if you just do what you're really good at and you serve the customers that uh, you know you can add value with, then you can get more customers, but also you can keep them longer. And so it's on both sides of the funnel. We just niche down, focused on what we're really good at so that we provide real value and we don't have the same churn rate. And so that's how we got to a record month. It's an interesting way to look at it advancing, and it's a smart way. Matt, would you agree with that? It's better to eliminate what you're not good at than to constantly focus on... I mean, you need to focus on what you're good at, but is it more important to focus on what you're bad at and stop doing that? You know, it, it's interesting because that's one of the reasons why we're full truckload and, you know, the LTL stuff was complicated. Yeah. But our president says the riches are in the niches. That's you, true. I, mean, I may have actually stolen that from you. Uh, Kevin um, Hill says that a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have a very, you know niche sort of chicken business and we have a niche you, you know uh, um, uh, AAT for so high volume I think we carry nuclear waste and sure. things like that but um, yeah so it, it's mixed right but we stay we stay in the long haul full truckload business for the most part well it makes it works works well yeah it's a great there. point and look well, look at the guest before us onward he started he started his startup to take that problem free that's the niche people don't want that stuff he'll he'll take it that's a business now what what do you guys what was the most eye opening stuff to you Gabe especially like this year where you're like no this is what rocket shipping is we're not this other thing you know we're kind of figuring out the form and the shape and i love the logo too by the way oh yeah yeah yeah, I appreciate that. I made that up a few years ago, and I just said, hey, put a rocket ship on a truck, and that's where we got the logo. So I take credit for that. I'm not a great marketer, but I will take credit for the logo. Um, I would say the most eye-opening experience this year, Dooner, was I when I started rocket shipping, I wanted to be a hyper-growth freight brokerage, just like the rest of them, and I wanted to be this cool, like shining star in the industry, and that was my ego. And I was like, let's build it super fast. Let's build it super big. And you know, along the way, we never raised money. We never took on any debt, and I always second-guessed myself on not taking any capital or venture capital or using ABL lines and growing a little slower than I wanted. And this year, I was like, well, now I'm cool. I don't have any debt. I don't owe anybody any money, and now that's kind of the cool thing to do. Uh, and so, well, that was eye-opening. I know that you know I could always change course and we could do something later, but I'm super thankful this year to be just a cash-flowed business that has to make a profit each month. You know who else did that? Who? Elizabeth uh, or Sarah Blakely, Spanx. Sp oh, she yeah. owned a hundred percent of it. Never took any outside money. I mean, it looks really smart right now. I mean, I I hear left and right stories about companies in the freight tech side, in the VC side. I mean, obviously, convoy happened, but you're hearing about so many that um, even if they're not going into business right now, they're being drawn down. Like yeah. they're, they're, they've gone, you know, just getting slashed by two thirds, getting slashed by one third. Uh, companies, there's a lot of sales that are being attempted right now mm -hmm. of these companies because the investors are like, okay, we're ready to move on. And that's going to be a scary spot to be in. You've got to be pretty proud of yourself to not have to sit there right now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's awesome because I, I do think that in the washout of this industry with the venture capital where they're like, hey, we need to make money now, not later a lot of customer value is going to be sacrificed. And, you know, we're in the unique position to actually just focus on what our customers need. I do, you know, think it's important in freight tech and we play in that space quite a bit, not to build something before anybody ever asks for it and instead just take customer feedback and continue to make the system and the operations more efficient for your customer and then look to optimize your own operations. I think most brokerages look to optimize their own brokerages and operations before listening to the customer. And most tech companies build stuff that's really shiny and bells and whistles without asking anybody. And so mostly because the venture capital is saying, go get net new revenue, that's all we care about. Well, if you just need new customers, then you just continue to build new tools. If you have to keep your customers, you build it differently.
Wow, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. That, that makes a lot of sense. So let me ask you, is LTL booming? Is it a yellow bubble or is there some real traction here? Is there, are you really seeing the volumes and everything? What's, what's going on in LTL? LTL is a, oof, it's a mind warp. It's not booming. We thought it yeah. would with yellow, uh, 50,000 shipments a day. We thought everything was going to go crazy and carry performance a slide. There was, it was like a dry sponge. Everything just soaked right in. Now, a lot of the carriers had a good Q3, but they're going to have a tough Q4 and a tough Q1 because that is the actual winter for LTL carriers is January. So I would say that LTL rates are at an all-time high. It does not match the market. That's not what the market's actually calling for right now. But at the same time, the carriers have been profitable. They have cash on hand. They're looking to get some more terminals from yellow. So for the LTL carriers, it's a good market. For LTL shippers, they're paying record rates and their sales are down. It's a big squeeze. Uh, and we've seen a lot of attrition in, in our customers as far as number of shipments. But we've also seen, you know, customers really look to sharpen the pencil on LTL rates because it's not matching their truckload rates and it's not matching the market. And so it's a unique position to be in at Rocket where all of the customers that we have are saying we need to save money. And all the LTL, LTL carriers are giving GRIs of 5 to 7.9%. And so it is mismatching. I think the LTL carriers are taking that, uh, that lemon and squeezing the last few drops out of it, knowing that it's going to get a little bit harder next year. Wow. So what do you think happens in the next 90 days? Like, we're, let's say we're in March, we're, we're looking towards spring. Where's that LTL market in pricing? I think it's down 15% from today as far as the average LTL rate. I don't think it's going to have the same sharp correction as truckload. Um, but I do think that LTL carriers are going to actually have to go get net new revenue again. And this is, a, you know, it's a long story, but starting in 2020, tail end of 2020 and all the way through 2023 winter, basically, it was record volumes all the time. There was more freight than anybody could handle, even with yellow in the market. And the carriers got net new revenue just by existing. And now it's going to come down to having better service. If you're Old Dominion, you get to keep your price the way it is. The rest of the carriers will actually have to start competing for net new business, which will drive down prices. And then the third parties will get decreases on their blanket rates because the carriers use that as a faucet, turning it on and off. When freight's down, they lower blanket rates so they can get transactional volume up. Interesting. You know, now is a... This market's a bad time to be a problem employee because every company is looking to save money. And if you are a problem, hey, there's, you know, $60,000, $70,000 that we can make available by getting rid of this problem employee. How do you deal with problem employees? You know, I think uh, this quote is not attributed to me, but I've heard it. And like, you know, a lot of startups will treat their staff like family. And, you know, I actually take a different approach. I, I really appreciate all of the employees at Rocket, my coworkers, but we're more like a championship team. You have to be good and you have to, uh, you know, produce an ROI at what you do. Now, I think the first year or two years of a startup, that is pretty easy. You just hire anybody that you know, anybody that your friends know, and anybody from LinkedIn, and you give them a job and you just build and instead of culture, it's more camaraderie. Like you're just building something together, pushing the same direction. As it levels out into a slower, you know, more traditional growth rate, and it's a real company with departments and organizational development, you actually have to see what your employees are doing. And in this market, it, a problem employee could be somebody who just isn't giving that much effort. It also could be somebody who's an individual contributor at a high level, but isn't a great team player. And so a championship team, you don't need all 
not everybody gets to shoot threes. Not everybody gets to be the point guard. And so that's what I've found out this year. And again, I'm not an expert. I've certainly had some problem employees and I've had some turnover and we've grown tremendously in three years. We're at 25 employees. But I think that if you just look at it as, you know, if you're a championship team, everybody has a role. It's my job and it's my leadership's team job to make sure that the employees understand what their role is. That's my job. Their job is to perform at a high level. And in this market, you have to perform at a pretty high level to keep your job at a startup or in freight tech or at a bigger company who looks at, you know, headcount as a, a liability. Interesting. Would you agree with that? Yeah, like, put some thought into this. Like, how do you identify problem individuals? You know, I'm a team of one, so I don't have yeah. big staff that reports to me. One thing I have noticed is that a lot of the large, not just in our industry, but like Amazon, they're starting to require people to come back to the office. So this whole True. idea of remote work and, you know, Gabe, I don't know if you've experienced this with your team being, I'm, I'm assuming that, your startup and you're in tech and you're in freight that you probably have a remote workforce. But a lot of the companies that yeah. let people go home during COVID are now requiring them to come back and they're like, you have to come back. And that's, people have gotten a little high maintenance and granted, to be fair, I understand they've sort of gotten used to the new normal, but um, yeah, that's something that is causing some turnover right now. Interesting. Do you take them aside? Like you got a problem employee, do you, like Gabe, how, what's your coaching in, in a situation like that? Oh, Gary V coined it, kind candor. Yep. I just tell them straight up and I just say, Hey, here's where I see you at. Here's where I need you to be. And if you're not, then this is going to be the result. And I took, I think I did that only this year in the first two and a half years of the business. I was, I kind of just, uh, tiptoed around it. I didn't want to tell somebody if they weren't doing a good job because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. I didn't want to have confrontation, but it actually ended up being more, I guess I would say kind to the employee uh, to let them know up front instead of me just firing them later. And then I realized that wasn't fair to them. If I never told them that what they're doing wrong, then why could I feel good about firing them later when they didn't fix it? Uh, but kind candor is what we, we lead with here. And, you know, I think that that's probably what I'll stick with for at least another year until I figure something else out. That's interesting. You know, um, there's a book, Kim Cantrell wrote a book called Radical Candor. So it's very, very similar. But do you find that you, you talked about being 30 today? The demographic that you're in, or maybe even people younger than you, even kind candor, I think candor in general sometimes is just problematic. For some people, that's where I stress a 53-year-old guy, that's where I struggle with sometimes, um, you know, just, hey, I need you to do this by this date, or like, how come you didn't get this done? And even something as a simple request becomes confrontational and it's just difficult for to navigate sometimes so uh, i'm gonna take notes from you buddy i mean sometimes you have to tell people this is the job right like this this is i'm like this is the job uh yeah. what you want to do like around it outside that's fine but like this specific stuff if that's not getting done that's an issue and i think that's where like the candor has to come in yeah and i think part of it too is like some of the people that i've had to let go at rocket it was not their fault it was that i didn't know how to do that job either i'm just we're just building this thing and i didn't know how to teach somebody to do it because i had never done it and so you know at the end of the day sometimes you just have to realize like i had to realize some of some of the times it's my fault that i don't know how to do it but i still had to make that decision because i couldn't just trust somebody else to figure it out and you know we we went through that this year and I think that I'm probably predisposed to being, you know, ultra trusting of just everybody's intentions and everybody's work ethic. And I've learned that this year, you have to kind of, you know, have a BS detector as far as if I've never done it, <laughs> does somebody else know how to do it too? Um, and so a little bit of it at the end of the day is just, I've never done it. It was my fault. They got fired. The other side is, Hey, if you're not going to take the initiative and, you know, uh, really put in the same effort as the other employees or, 
as the other, uh, you know, uh, business owners, then then you can't stay. Gabe, you got some new experience. You hadn't hit a deer until December 2nd, but you tweeted that you had your first deer incident with an expedited load. What happens when a company like yours is alerted that their truck has hit a deer? Oh, well, let's see here. It was for a two-man team load, and it was Friday, well, I guess Saturday morning at like 2 a.m., and the delivery had to be made that morning. And so I spent most of the night on the phone with the facility that was receiving it, letting them know that it wasn't going to get delivered. We had to do a power-only recovery and swap trailers, except for this was in Wisconsin. So it's it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't like a great spot where we could post it on DAT and pray that someone would be there. So it was a lot of uh, emails and text messages to carriers to figure out who could come in there and swap it. Then, you know, would it be the same MC number? It was not fun. Uh, but they did send pictures of the front end, and it actually did break the bumper and, you know, do some damage. So uh, it was a big deer. Um, but at the end of the day, I live in Minnesota. Well, right now I live in Fargo, North Dakota, but I grew up in Minnesota. So it's not all that uncommon to hit a deer on the road here. You guys, how many trucks does Covenant have? Uh, 2,600, give or take. Depends on the day. You, you uh, probably have to hit a few trucks a year. So our, a few deer a year. Yeah, our AAT carriers that, you know, does some of the high value stuff. A lot of them have brought the big brush guards on them. Oh yeah. Just, yeah. So knock that. We're just in the middle of nowhere. You know, if you're going through Wyoming and you know, some of those, you know, kind of Northeastern Northwestern States, yeah. they're everywhere. Guys, have you ever had a truck end up like this? Roll the tape. Just look at a place and go, I shouldn't go in there and then immediately drive in there. Wait. <laughs> that looks like Lookout Mountain, that right? That looks like Lookout Mountain. It does look, look down like, the street from like my house. <laughs> it, it is sketchy driving up there. That is down the street from my house. Do you see semis get stuck up there? Often? All the time. Because a lot, I don't know why, I mean, Swift knows better, but yeah. a lot of these guys are using their phones. Uh, these the, drivers the are using their phones for the GPS and they're not, you know, marked for 18-wheeler traffic. They don't get that random. I know exactly alley. where that is. That is so funny that you pulled that clip. Gabe, what do you do when your trucks get stuck? You ever get one stuck on lookout? I haven't had one yet like that, <laughs> um, but I guess I would have to. I don't even know how you do a, a recovery on that. Like you, the trailer's done. So I think you're just going to have to transfer that. Get it yeah. to the shop. W like what are you going to do there, Matt? Uh, get a crane and lift it up off the road. I don't even know how you pull that off. I mean, at least if it happened at Co if it was a Covenant truck, right? They would be smarter than to go up there. It's but never going to be a Covenant truck. But if it was, <laughs> if it was, at least you guys are close. We are close. I'm exactly. learning from you now. There we go. I should have said, oh, it wouldn't be a rocket truck. Okay. Yeah, yeah. this wouldn't be rocket in the first yeah. place. Obviously, that's someone else. <laughs> hey, congratulations on being the, are you the, the, the a co-founder or the founder? Uh, I'm the founder. Yep. Okay. So 100% owner, you know, uh, you know, owned. That's fantastic. Well, Congratulations on that. 100% owner, but my wife works in the business and she does a heck of a lot for the company. So I can't say I did it on my own. Well, it's all in the house. My brother-in-law yeah, yeah. works for me and my best buddy. We all, we all started it together. So. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Congratulations. You have a great story. You guys ever lose a shipment like this? Take a look at what happened to this, these intermodal containers. This actually screwed up my YouTube algorithm too. It started giving me a bunch of videos of like rock slides. And then my seven and nine year old were in the room and now they're like convinced we're gonna get hit by rock slides as we drive around. Oh, that's what, the rock slides is what pushed that off? Something like that. Look, the side of that uh, mountain just wow. fell down. It's like the, all the dirt Jeez. came down and took those boxes out. Sorry, JB Hunt. Yeah, not good. Yeah. Not good. What do you tell the customer when, uh, when that happens, Gabe? Oops. Um, I think you, you say that it was double brokered. No, I think <laughs> it might be better off than it was double. If you have the clip, just show them the clip, right? Be like, look, yeah, act of God. <laughs> like what else can you do? Oh man.
I don't think they'd believe it. They would say, oh, you got double broker. Don't tell me this. So you'd have to send the clip. Yeah. Well, everyone needs to drive safe. By the way, here's, here's just a clip just with the fear of God and some of your drivers out here. Take a look at this. This was a roadway. This is going to be you coming up in a week. You go through like Wyoming or something. You're going to end up like all these trucks, Matt. Please. That looks like North Dakota. That could be North Dakota. Is that where it's like pulled over for a like wind delay or something? Or I, well, they got estimated. No, there's a lot of accidents that happened along here. You can see a lot of these trucks crashed into each other. You know, I have been because my like Amazon's high, backwards. My high top Sprinter van, you know, is really susceptible to you know high winds. They close the road. They close eighty quite a bit. So I figured out some of those side roads to get off of. But it's amazing. I've seen trucks flip over before. I watched what happened last summer, last year when I drove out. It's frightening. It's crazy. It's scary. Drivers, drive safe out there. Yeah, you have fuel. A bit. In oh, those big accidents. Quite a bit to have that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we always have those like worlds, like the five like, most dangerous routes for truckers. Wyoming's always on there. I-80, yeah. yeah. yeah it's a- we have a whole weather department of like six, eight people. So we're always advising our drivers way in advance if that kind of condition is going to exist. Well, on X, whenever drivers are taking Donner Pass, they always like leave a tweet beforehand. I think it's in case they get they get lost going up there, end up, <laughs> end up getting stuck, getting stuck on there. Gabe, are you, uh, are you crafty at all? Are you handy? Oh, let's see. In 2020, I built, well, I didn't build a house. We built a house and I did a lot of honeydew projects like uh, hanging up slat walls and and building a few things. I used to work in construction. I was like an apprentice for a carpenter. So I can do framing and things like that. I don't anymore. I, I typically trust somebody else more than myself. Uh, maybe that's because I'm running a company. I'm like, hey, I should have somebody do this because I'm, I'm going to mess it up. Um, well, but I'm a little bit handy. Do you think you could build something like this? What about you, Matt? Take I'm a look at the semi-truck Christmas stand. I'm the kind of guy you want to live next door to. Really? Oh, yeah. You would be, be in your garage grabbing the plywood, making I'm not a- sure I would build a truck with my free time, but that's pretty impressive. What, what would you build with <laughs> your free time? Uh, like, look at that. See, there it is. There's a bed right there. It doesn't have a bed, though. Oh, it kind of goes on the fifth of the truck. Good job. Yeah, Gabe, real or fake tree on the back of that truck? What are you putting? Uh, fake tree all the time. Real treats are, I got two toddlers. They would just make a mess of that. So fake treats. such a bad excuse. That is such a bad excuse. Let's make some excuses for the BCS. I know you tweeted about this. What do you think? I've been asking people about this poll over here. It was a great season. Look at all the mascots lined up. Having a great time. Although unless you're from Florida State, what do you think? Should Florida State be in there? You know, I don't even, I'm not a Florida State fan at all. And objectively, it's just uh it's a sham that they're not in i mean they didn't lose any games and i don't know how you can go through the whole season just saying as long as we win out we can control our own destiny that's like a thing in football and baseball and everything and i feel like it does a you know a disservice to sports in general to just have a committee pick a team that maybe is better but i don't know if you could prove that alabama's had quarterback issues all year they've used three of them so if you're going to say it's because of a quarterback i think that's the wrong excuse but they, I mean, they beat. They did beat Georgia. I mean, they didn't watched, beat Georgia. It would be easier to say. I watched some of that game. That was um, as a Georgia grad. That was hard to watch. So who would you? You kick out Alabama? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh wow. I think Texas yeah. deserves it. Although yeah, but I'm a little jaded. I'm so bitter. I think Oregon could have been in. I mean, Oregon has the same case as Georgia. They lost to Washington, and and Georgia lost to Alabama. Georgia has a better case than Alabama, in my opinion. Even though they just lost to them. But hey, before- I think Florida State should have been in. Gabe, what's your Christmas movie pick? Okay, so I, I thought about this a lot. It's it's Elf. Okay. So, oh, yeah. Good. They're solid. Elf. I don't know. I don't oh, know how man. it didn't make the uh, top four, but is Mission Impossible a Christmas movie? 
I mean, it could be. Like, if they put Die Hard in, it's sort of like, I guess, adjacent stuff can count. Yeah, I do like Mission Impossible. I just watched that last night. So I would say Elf and then Mission Impossible. Gabe, how do people find you? LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, or X, I guess you call it now. And then um, it's just my name on both of them. If you are uh, looking to be a customer, rocketshipping.io would be where you'd find all your info. Or just hey, happy on LinkedIn. Happy holidays, little cowbell for you for your success. Have a great year, you and your team. Matt, thank you so much for thanks joining us on the show. Come. Matisse, thanks for happy, watching. Happy holidays. Mustafa, thanks for, and your chief operating. Take care, don't be a stranger.